Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Here we are, 500th episode. Hey, everybody. Recast. This is actually, this is the real 500th episode because we posted fake episodes. That's That's, what I want to say. You know, that's true, but that would make it. I'll say that. The 490 whatever. Yeah. 400. I would, I want to do a real 500th episode. Yeah. Whatever. It's fine. Well, say a prayer and let's go. (laughs) Ready? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly King, comforter, spirit of truth, everywhere present and filling all things, treasury of blessing and giver of life, come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stain and save our souls, O gracious one. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. You going first or me? I shall. Go. Uh, <laughs> you got to start. Bant on. Uh, we've, we've started. Oh, really? You already put... So we started with the nonsense about 500. No way. Seriously? Come on. Come on, man. You are crazy. <laughs> no. You are crazy. Not. This is like real Sometimes material. I mix it up. <laughs> oh, this is Father Nathan. Uh, this is... Father Mike. Catholic stuff? It's you know. Catholic stuff. Real life. Yeah, so here's the deal. We decided to take a break over the summer, but then when we came back from our break over the summer... There were certain people that said, well, we'll start our recordings over the over for the new year with the 500th episode. And I was like, you can't count the you can't count the whatever as, you know, we reposted. We never repost. We reposted episodes like you can't. So that's not 496, 97, 98. I guess. I guess. But here's the deal. What I was thinking what we would do would be we would start recording when we came back and then when we did our 500th episode it would be the one that we recorded with Shapu when we were whatever but that was voted down it's fine um is that OCD do you got a little obsessive Me? compulsive thing I don't I don't think so I, I guess I, this is going how long is it going to bother you I guess is zero question. oh once I say it you know I I like I like throwing rocks at certain things you know and mm. then we move on all right. So, okay. All right. That was pretty cool that you did that, that you recorded all that. That's cool. Mm, proud uh, of you. Didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. I was going to catch you in the <laughs> the ire. I was just goofing around because I'm kind of <laughs> loopy. I played golf. Um, we did. The Doug Moberg Invitational yeah. Catholic Radio. Catholic Radio. Denver. If you have, if you have Catholic Radio. Appreciation Day. We have a lot of, there's a lot of Catholic Radio stations uh, throughout the country uh, that are supported through this Catholic radio network. Um, and they come every year to do a golf tournament. Um, and they're very generous. Karen Mandolfo and um, Doug Moberg making it happen for the people. So, yep, enjoyable. Yeah, out in the sun. And I have a cold. And I started with a cold. I played the whole thing with the cold. What can you explain? You and I both got food poisoning at uh, the Archbishop's Barbecue. Yeah. And now we both have colds at the same time. Do you have this cold? Like, huh. what What exactly is going on? Sinuses? We're in sync. <clears throat> Do you? Would uh, you say that your the back of your throat is a little scratchy? It is. So I've got this combination theory of, um, well, I don't know about the food poisoning was just incidental. That's because there was uncooked chicken at the Archbishop's. I know, sake. but I'm saying like you and I are kind of on the same cycle. It's true. I find that weird as well. But there is been there has been standing smog 
from yes. fires in Canada That's and California problem. and everything yeah. in Denver for weeks yeah. now. Yeah. And I think it's caught up with me. And then I went on my family reunion and we had a lot of late nights and just lots of activity. Tubin, tubin, man. People Sending like that. the tubin. Tubin and we have this thing about trying to like like go so fast and that knock the other guy off the tube. And when you're going full speed, forty miles an hour, yeah. And then you get thrown off that tube. You, yeah. You're getting you're getting moisture lodged up your brain that you have not had there for a very long time. And I think it messes with your system. Switch to menthols, kids. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of tubing, but I can understand that would be really tough. So that's my theory is the, the smoke in the air and the tubing. And I, I don't know. I'm getting close to the school year. So maybe it's just like kind of anxiety catches up and excitement. or Sure. The body feels like, don't you think it's like sometimes the body knows you can you can shut down now? Because I even had it in my head, like if I'm going to get COVID, I want to get it now. Right. Yeah, Before I did Before the that. school year starts. Yep, I was hoping for that. So that I don't have to teach online and all this stuff. I even went in for the test because my head hurt a lot. My headache was pretty mm. powerful mm. and it felt unusual. So I went in negative. Negative. No COVID. Negative, negative, just impacted on the surface. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's my story with the cold. The I've been whining about it for a few days, Here's but the it really has put me down. Are you um, are you a neti pot user? No, you know, my friend John Brooks told me to use that thing, and I have not yet. Okay. I think I left mine at uh, Larkin's Rectory. Oh, do you have a neti pot or a neti, like, squeeze? No, mine's the pot. It looks like a little teapot. Oh, gosh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I used yeah. I used yeah, that a I few used times back when I bought it, and then the squeeze. I forgot about it. Yeah, okay. I don't often have this kind of cold though. Yeah, I think as you get older, as you get older, you get sick less frequently, but when you get sick, it's more intense. Oh, okay. So that's what I that's what I sense. Yeah, I think well, I got I just, I just would just get, I pudding. would just get sick all the time whenever I was whenever I was like seventeen, eighteen, twenty one, whatever. Like, just seemed like. You'd catch everything, you know, like it would be every year that I would puke. <clears throat> but at some point, it's like, I, I think I've gotten past Your body that. gets strong. What do they call it? Stomach of steel. Yeah. Well, steel gut. Steel gut. Steel gut. Man, that's not exactly. But anyways. I know. Right. All right. So as you heard, Father Mike is going first. So um, we are off and running. Oh, you want to talk? All right. So I, I don't know how to... Here's the train of thought. Maybe I'll roll into the station. So I went to this Lutheran wedding about a week ago, and um, it stirred up a lot of emotions about, you know, half of my extended family is Lutheran, and half of them are Catholic, and it's always an ordeal when, whenever these big moments come along, you know, like weddings, and mm. there has to be choices made and all these things. So it is... Um, that's one thing, but it got me thinking about a lot of the kind of ecumenism questions and like, you know, where did things stand between Catholics and the thousand denominations of Christians out there and something like Lutherans and um, what, what exactly is this difference that we have and like how there's also been all these like points of reconciliation where they've tried to work together to come up with like common statements of faith and um, theology, like where does our theology align? Mm -hmm. And a lot of Luther's problems with the church are gone. They're like part of, they're a dated relic of the 16th century that 
he um, where and, and, and of other reformers too. I mean, at least like serious points of abuse or trouble sure. or things in need of reformation and conversion. Church is always in need of conversion. So it's a question of whether or not you jump ship and or can you, you know, convert one thing. So, so you have certain friends who are Protestant who uh, text you every year on October. I think it's October 31st. Um, the day that they nailed the 99 the theses. The 95 theses. 95 theses. On the cathedral at Wittenberg. Yeah. No, I don't. I have Do one you? I have one friend that does Do that. You? I I mean, I have I have friends that remind me and so I, I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. It's out there, right? There's Shout out to the youth pastor Brian Coulter wherever you are, my man. With so, the 95 Theses. This he, is the he 95 always lets thesis. me know. He kind of says happy Reformation Day, you know? Like, nice. you know, for him it's like, you know, we're still cool, but uh, you're saying that the there's no more beef. No, I'm not saying there's no more beef. There's lots of energy, and I don't know that it comes down to theology. I do think it's kind of weird, frankly, that some like high Protestant um, seminaries, the the big Bible church seminaries, aren't doing this anymore. But some of the older older school ones will start. Where do you start learning Christian theology? You start with um, the Institutes of Calvin and yeah. tractates from Luther on faith. Sure, yeah. You don't start with the Bible and the like, long-standing history of the church, like with the fathers of the church, and eventually you get to what you consider a reform of the mm. church or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I don't know. Okay, all that aside, that was just a point of here. This kind of renewed my interest, Sorry. brought me back in, and then I was starting to look at the 95 Theses. And um, Don't you think they should start with like early Christian theology, not just like the that's Bible. That's what I'm saying. No, there's, like, there, there was, I mean, oh, you're saying I, I met some guys from Colorado Christian, Colorado Christian College. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Colorado Christian? Anyways, university. Yeah, I, think I think it's CCU. University, yeah. Um, and they wanted to talk to a Catholic. And so I was talking with him, and I was like, have you ever heard of the Densinger Schoenmetze? And they're like, no. And of course they hadn't heard it, but I thought it was a really cool resource. Yeah. So I was like, this is like a manual of theology from uh, yes, late 19th century. Um, I don't Denzinger. know. Denzinger. It's okay. Anyway. But, but the reason why I was recommending it wasn't because it's a manual. It's because it's a uh, resource book that has all of the earliest Christian documents that we have um, that give evidence of things like the Eucharist, baptism, priesthood, whatever. Be- before the Bible was written, we have these early Christian documents. <clears throat> Not right? Did Zenzinger Schoenmetze? Before the Bible was written. No. Before the before the New Testament, before the Gospels, before the letters of whatever. Like we have, we have like tractates these small snippets that you can go back to and be like, whoa, like that's from like 70 AD. That's crazy. I don't know what you're talking about, actually. I'd like to see Denzinger on this. I mean, the the New Testament is the earliest Christian literature. I mean, you could say, I've seen, you know, you have scholars who argue about which are the pieces that Paul is referring to that are the earliest traditional pieces. So is so, the Didache is the Didache after the New Testament? Didache is 
is debated in terms of its timing, but it probably comes about the same time. Probably right. later than Paul's first writings, <clears throat> but before maybe Mark is finished. Before right. the, and certainly before That's the what end it's of the talking temple. about. But, uh, okay, Didache is good. Yeah. That's a good example. So, so yeah, I mean, there are lots, there's lots and lots of evidence of practice, Catholic practice and theology, and just generally, like, why don't you start with Christianity and then see its evolution to the point where mm. you're not saying that Christianity was founded by the 16th century right. the, theologians. Like, I don't know why they're not and reading, like, the letters of St. Ignatius of... Antioch. Of Antioch. Well, and see, the thing is, though, <coughs> a lot of those groups will do that now, but they'll start with the framework of Luther and Calvin. Okay. And then find the evidence for that. A little eisegesis, yeah. if you will. Eisegesis. <laughs> and often you'll find... Um, Sorry for all the big a, words. People. A lot of interest in, like, Augustine, because he does a lot with, yeah. like, questions of faith and yeah. reason, or oh, yeah. faith and... Um, Law and all these kind of questions. I would think he's the the first Catholic that they were like this. This guy's kind of on our team. They like yeah. him. Well, and you can find Saint Paul, you can obviously. find evidence for the other stuff as long as you're looking for it. Once you put on Luther glasses, you're going to see Lutheran things mm. where you want to see it, but you're not necessarily seeing the whole picture. Anyway, this is what I was trying to get to. Okay, um, sorry. I do find there's a lot to talk about. I mean, even the first of the 95 theses is worth talking about about how uh he says every christian is in need of conversion in fact the whole christian life is um the life of um repentance and i think there's you know a lot implied in that kind of a statement and presumption about what the christian life is so um i'd love to get back to that i was intrigued by finding out about Lutheran confession and how like the yeah. rights of Lutheran confession work in some of the um, in some of the Lutheran communities. Um, I think it still exists today, but I need to go track down Lutherans and talk to them about this stuff. I think it um, depends on the synod too. Like <clears throat> if they're not if depending on the the style of Lutheranism that they ascribe to Congregational Lutheranism or Missouri yeah. Synod Lutheranism. I think or, Missouri Synod was the book that I was looking at. For, okay, and like they're a, a little. Formula. They're a little more <clears throat> by the book. Yeah, they're conservative group. Conservative. Like, um, all right, so I'm thinking about these questions of um, kind of forgiveness, and I stumbled upon their, their ritual, but then it got me thinking about um, the, the way that we express the um, mechanics of forgiveness in our rite of penance. Okay. So particularly the role of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> I'm wondering what is going on with our... Our formula of absolution. Mm. Uh, God the Father of mercies through the death and resurrection of his Son has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of the church, may God give you pardon and peace and I absolve you from your sins. So, uh, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, in case you're wondering the yeah. formula. Um, in the kind of Lutheran, I went to Lutheran elementary school and I think a Good lot shepherd. of uh, Shepherd of the Hills. Shepherd of the Hills. And I think a lot of what's in my head about the way that salvation is affected is um, part the, the the Jesus part makes sense, but the Holy Spirit part is like the curiosity. Jesus parts Jesus, makes sense. There's no Jesus. We're well, we're we're saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus, right? Of His Son. It's the act. And then the faith that we have in that act, mm -hmm. okay, of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the eye. And then 
and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. And I say, what is that? What does it mean that the Holy Spirit is forgiving sins? You know, I tend to think of it as the act of the church, in part mm-hmm. a juridical act, in part a sacramental <coughs> um, act of Jesus giving us a ritual and giving a certain kind of authority to the um, doesn't, doesn't, presbyters. Yes, sorry. And then through the grace of his death and resurrection. So then I'm like, well, what, what is that Holy Spirit doing? Mm. You know? What do you got? Well, I don't mean to make it a quiz show. We can talk about no, it. No, I always, I, I, you know, of, I love the I quiz show, but I but usually but. like the quiz show whenever I'm answering correctly and John's answering incorrectly. Ah. So. Um, well, uh, Jesus says in one of the Gospels, which is normally where he speaks, mm-hmm. um, that uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he will convict you of mm. sin and righteousness. I think that's right, yeah. And remind you of all that I told you, I think. <clears throat> so so I, I do think there is uh, that the capacity to forgive sins through that particular uh, evidence. He's also the sanctifier, uh, the one who mm-hmm. uh, makes us holy. He's also the one who comes to the aid of our weakness, and our weakness is such that without the Holy Spirit, we would be lost. Uh, We would be lost. We would lose our our sonship or daughterhood, and so he restores the spirit of of, uh, adoption through sin, that we lose through sin. Yeah, and you might say the life... Mm. Life of grace, yeah. sanctifying grace, is in some way the, the life of the Holy Spirit in the soul. And he sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. I'm trying to think of it. Does he say that he will convict you of, he will forgive your sins? I don't know of any other place. Yeah, so, yeah, I think you were, some of the, some of the themes that you just mentioned, I'm really grateful for those scriptures because that's a lot of food for thought, but... Um, I had a good priest upstairs tell me that um, the Holy Spirit communicates all graces, so he mm. affects, he's kind of the bridge between he's the actual transport. Ac- activity that, that did the Logistics, the thing, nice. And then brings it in. Perfect. So he used the example of the epiclesis, like this is, God has willed for this grace to happen at the, at the Eucharist, and it's going to happen through these words. But without the Eucharist, it's not, or without the Epiclesis, it's not valid. The Holy Spirit is somehow bridging the gap between man and God. Mm, yeah. And um, so it still requires the will of the Father, still requires the action of the Son, but it's communicated through the Holy Spirit. And so that was an interesting, you know, answer that all graces are communicated. You know, the life of God is communicated to man through the Holy Spirit. Um I liked your piece about sanctification. That was the thing that I thought of first was we are in need of conversion and sanctification. And this is where I don't think it's just simply, it's not just simply God is saying, okay, I don't worry about what you did. You know, that, that kind of a forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That is part of it. God <clears throat> is saying, I'm not going to hold your sins against you. But then there's also like, we're in need of sanctification. Like I can get better 
and I can get holier and I can be free not only from the act actions of sins, the particular sins, but from habitual sin, the wounds of having been sinned against, all kind of evil and the the um even the the brokenness that my sin causes my soul and the state of brokenness. So it's hmm. I think it's that point of sanctification, that there's an ongoing experience of the forgiveness of sin that's not only happening there in that moment of forgiveness of the sins that you've confessed, but the Holy Spirit is communicating grace of healing from the past uh, and graces for strength in the future. And those things remain by the strength of the Holy Spirit and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit and continue to form a person into um, a holier person. That is a person with less sin weighing down their life. If that makes sense. It's not only, I, I feel like there's a, like conversion and sanctification and the Holy Spirit has an, an activity in both. Yeah. And in some way you could call both forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Or is that just kind of like adding something? We're talking about like uh, sanctification as a part of this, even as a part of the ritual of confession. <clears throat> I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think that you can, we don't want to get into to the place where, you know, you have the creator, the redeemer and the sanctifier. All of them are involved in mm. each one of those activities. So Jesus justifies us and redeems us, but the Holy Spirit is active through that. Yeah. That and one. you would say like St. Paul uses the image of for us, life is in Christ. We live in Christ. We're being conformed to Christ. And sanctification is greater conformity to Christ. Mm -hmm. It's more of his life in us. So it's not, he uses the, the language of the Holy Spirit as well and the power of life that comes from the Holy Spirit, the gifts and the fruits. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, spends a lot of time on the Holy Spirit. But also, I, I get your point. You don't want to like exclusively assign roles. <clears throat> yeah, what I was looking up uh, when you were talking was um, Acts, which you're well familiar with. Sometimes Acts two, um, so it, I mean this is the this is the version that I have the Dewey Reams. It's the only one I have on my phone. I should get an RSV on my phone. It'd probably be easy. Um, so he says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know most certainly that God has made both Lord and Christ the same Jesus whom you have crucified. Now, when they heard these things, they had compunction in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, "What shall we do, men and brethren?" And Peter said to them. Do penance and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy gift Ghost. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, is that does that happen subsequently, or is that uh, for the remission of sins? You know, like um, repent, repent, and be baptized, and you will receive the promise. What is it? You will receive, be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Um, so when somebody is baptized, are they, are their sins first forgiven, and then they are made a child of God, or like is the spirit of adoption come in first, and then because they are now a child, their sins are forgiven. 
See, what what I was, and I've thought about doing a podcast on this, so let's just, you know, skip ahead. Um, maybe we'll call it the 550th podcast, you know, because it's an idea I had for later. <laughs> um, was uh, St. Paul says, uh, now a dead man has been absolved from sin. And if you have a covenant, if you have a covenant, then if you don't fulfill the covenant, then the only way that you can get out of the covenant is if one of you dies. And uh, under the New Testament, the New Covenant, Jesus has died. So the only way for us to actually become partakers of the New Covenant is actually to die with him. Yeah. So that's why he's saying um, a dead man has been absolved from sin. You can no longer you can no longer come at somebody else for not fulfilling the covenant because they're dead you know dead is the death is the great equalizer so is it that since we have died in christ and received this new spirit through the holy spirit that now our sins are forgiven or that were our sins forgiven and then we died i don't know does does that make sense yeah i think in in part uh, my mind is kind of like That's distracted. A bene probatus from the from the, from the doctor. No, I mean I like that. No, I, I like it. I'm, I'm struggling with the the logic, but that's just because it's difficult and it's kind of mysterious here. The I get the piece on the covenant, and I really like it. I think that's what Paul is talking about. You have died with Christ, and you have risen with Christ, and mm-hmm. you're. The, the, so where is the Holy the, Spirit in that? Is what I'm the saying. Breaking the covenant goes away with the death. You know. Um, what St. Paul what, what but I don't know I mean with the rite it would be easier if the baptismal rite had two different steps and it said okay now that's the forgiveness of your original sin mm. that's the part where you get the Holy Spirit and it doesn't have that yes it all comes with the water right it all the formula <clears throat> yes and so is that where is it, and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins when you receive the Holy Spirit through baptism, uh, then, then, is that mean that you're that when you receive the Holy Spirit that your sins are remitted? Yeah, because they the, the even the in Acts where it says, uh, "How did you receive the Holy Spirit? How did you receive what does he say? How did you receive baptism?" And it's like we received the baptism of John. And then he's like, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we don't even know that there's a Holy Spirit. Yeah. So then... They got to baptize them. Do they baptize them or do they confirm them then? He lays hands on them. Huh. I don't know. No, I think he... I don't bap- know that it's all that explicit. I, <clears throat> I think he baptizes them. The ritual, but that's interesting. Ah, darn it. All right. So wait a minute. The all right. So speculations if, abound. If we talk about the Holy Spirit yeah, this, this, and this sanctifying true. grace being something similar, okay? So you're restored to the life that you have in God, sanctifying grace, a state of grace. That is that you have. Well, I guess you wouldn't say the Holy Spirit goes away if you're not in a state of grace. But we kind of equate the two as well. Oh man. I've gotten us into the very, very deep woods. Wouldn't you say that? Wouldn't you say that uh, you lose? I don't think you can lose. Well, you can't. You can't lose the seal of baptism. 
That's true. But is that the Holy Spirit? I think it is. I mean, I don't think you can mm-hmm. lose the Holy Spirit. You can lose the grace of God, the sanctifying grace of God. You can lose your, the, the salvation of your soul. You can ch- choose against God, but I don't think that necessarily means that you don't have... You still have the identity of child of God. Right. And I think you have the Holy Spirit. I think, yeah, I think that's an indelible part of the indelible mark. It's marked with the Holy Spirit. All right. So can we go back to... We're going back. That's well, why we need the breadcrumbs. You can you know? keep... Yeah, right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back pretty far and go back to uh, this question of the sanctification. Because okay. I think Listening. that part to me is pretty evidently and obviously the work of the Holy Spirit. So you read someone like Lagrange, you know? Garrigou. Garrigou, Lagrange. And he's often talking about how the Holy Spirit elevates the natural virtues and turns the person from being a naturally good person. Well, helps us with the, the natural virtues, for one, to become a good person. And then also... Um, elevates them by faith, hope, and charity, and by supernatural graces into a supernaturally virtuous person, like a saint, you know? And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. A lot of his work was on the work of the Holy Spirit and how that interacts with the with virtue in the soul. Um, so the elevation of the person, the sanctification of the person. And I think it goes well with this idea that and, and I think this actually distinguishes us from a lot of the Reformation Christians, to maybe connect that again, is that Catholics believe that we're in a process of being saved, mm-hmm. right? That it's not, you are saved at the moment of baptism, and you've been promised something from God that you can rely on. There is something of a certainty that we should have of salvation, yes. because God has promised, he won it for us, it's not our own doing. It's just something we have fr- we have received freely from as a gift from God, and with, so that none may boast with a certainty. You know, um, our salvation has been given to us. But then there's also like a conformity to Christ that happens in a person that is a sanctification, being turned into a saint. Just because you're saved, you're not really saintly, right? You are. You've begun a process of being sanctified that is ongoing and i think it's the work yes it's the will of following the will of the father and it's the will of the father that we're sanctified it's the activity of christ and being conformed to christ and learning from his example walking in his way and then also the impetus of the holy spirit and the graces that are being um, communicated through the grace of the holy spirit the gifts of the Holy Spirit elevating us, the power of the Holy Spirit for unity, charity, um, all of the functions of the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in our life, which is the mark of the saint, right? Um, so it's it's the Spirit of God that is refining all of the evil and the sin out of the picture, right? And that's the process of sanctification. It's almost like um, distilling the bad stuff out of life and out of the the mind, the leavening and the soul, and you know the heart, and 
you could break that up into everything, imagination and memory and the uh, passions and everything is being refined by the Holy Spirit, right? That's sanctification. And I, I would argue that's forgiveness of sins, right? In some way, it's the working out of the problem of sin plaguing my life. It's the healing and the growth away from sin. Maybe I'd say it that way. Forgiveness, I guess, in a technical way, is just I'm not going to hold this against you. Well, but the <clears throat> I'm letting you have a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that there is there's active purgation, active sanctification, and passive purgation, passive sanctification. Mm-hmm. So there are ways in which God is working in us for the forgiveness of sins that's not necessarily known by us. Um, there's the active part where we place our sins before him, but I think there's also ways in which God is creating his likeness in us, which um, is sanctifying us um, apart from apart from us actually having to claim, like, Lord, I want you to take over this part of me. I want you to sanctify this part of me like we're directing him or something Mm. does does that make sense like in terms of the difference yeah yeah so you would ask the holy spirit give me um the gift of understanding so that i see clearly the choice that i have to make rather than sinning i'm choosing the good Mm -hmm. or i'm avoiding things i know how to avoid the right, a situation of temptation, for example. I need wisdom from mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. or something like that. So it's like assisting in our choices toward the act of procreation, not just something that's automatically kind of happening. But I would say that... It, the, the, Here's an analogy. The act of purgation, I think, is less than the passive purgation. What we actually do okay. is less than what the Holy Spirit actually does in us. What we do in cooperating with the Holy Spirit is less than what the Holy Spirit actually will do. Okay. I was thinking of, here's an analogy. I don't know if that's physical true. Physical therapy. That's what I think. Physical therapy. We're broken, <clears throat> and then mm-hmm. the body is going to heal itself. You can't really just tell the body or will it or anything sure. like that. The body mm-hmm. has that, uh-huh. you know, that life, that kind of impulse. And then you could do the hard work of taking the steps that are painful and doing your physical therapy. And you're going to allow the body to heal itself more readily but you need you need coaching you need encouragement to do the active thing Mm. and you also need your body functioning well and although you know this is an analogy i think the holy spirit can do both one is passive one is active help us to take those steps that are difficult and that move us forward in conversion and sanctification and then also inwardly do the healing do the strengthening do the giving us you know um the wisdom to grow in virtue the the even the virtue itself the indwelling i mean the holy spirit gives us virtues of faith hope and charity so i like the active passive you're not there i but the thing that i'm having trouble with is that what you're describing to me sounds a little sounds a little protestant does it well how so because it's like saying like i will heal like I know I can direct the things that I know need to be healed um and then my body will actually respond to the to the healing and I can get some therapy and 
whatever. And it's like, but uh, where is grace in that? Where is grace? And grace ultimately is a participation in the life of God. How do we receive a participation in the life of God? But through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So well, I'm with you. It's all grace. So, you know, ulti- whenever we talk about grace, we're talking about the Holy Spirit somehow. So to me, it's like the, the analogy that I would describe that, that, that I, I would, the part that I would want to see in that is, yes, your body has been given certain functions that when it responds to, you know, the healing, um, whatever, impetus of either a doctor or a medicine or a treatment or a therapy, like it can naturally respond to it because it has been infilled by a certain kind of logic. We can choose, you know, it's like I need to work on these exercises so that my body responds appropriately to it. But like uh, the Holy Spirit and grace to me is like, you don't even consider gravity in that situation. You don't even consider consider atmospheric pressure in that whole you know situation. Uh, you don't consider like the movement of the earth. Um, so to me, it's like the Holy Spirit is doing way more than we think about at any given moment, and that to me is grace and not just uh, my workings, my. I've got to figure out what I need to do, and I need to ask that, the Holy Spirit yeah. to, to work in that. God helps those who help themselves. I hate that, too. I don't like that I attitude. know that. Maybe it's maybe a better analogy is just the way that wounds heal, you know, without something extreme like I have to do something. Right. But you could maybe thwart the work of the Holy Spirit by yeah. continually scratching out Pick your sores and never letting it heal, maybe. Let I don't know. Maybe this is not bad analogy, I like it. too. I like that one. I like one. just exploring, kind of exploring the idea of how is the Holy Spirit, you know, sanctifying and at work. And I think, I mean, part of it, part of the reason I use that analogy is because we know, I can say this with certainty, this is just catechesis, is that you receive st- strength. For one of the graces of confession and the, the uh, sacrament of confession is that you receive the grace of strength to avoid, fight, the avoid those yes. sins that you have in confessed. the future yes so i in part that's like okay well there is this cooperation now that you're moving together with god that he's helping you to learn how to take different steps more like a father helping a kid learn how to walk or not fall and you know learn lessons in life or something like i don't know hmm. but I, I understand what you're saying about this has got to be more the work of god than sort of God working with me, mm. me fixing things or mm-hmm. me identifying things that need to be fixed. But I think one of the, I, the reason why I wanted to bring up sanctification is I'm like, I think there's a whole order of healing here. That's not just, I did bad. I did bad. Okay. I don't hold it against you. Okay. There I did bad. I don't hold it against you. It's like, well, this is much more um, involved and it involves all of life. It's like circumstances in life. Relationships are yeah. broken. Yeah. There's um, pieces of the heart that's broken. There's my trauma in my life that needs healing for me to like actually be uh, a softer, a gentler person. And all kinds of ways that these things are so complicated. It's not just, okay, here's my list. Okay, now go 
try your best until you come back here again, you know? Yeah. And I think it's that Holy Spirit that really got me thinking about that. Like, what's the process of the growth? And how how is that happening? Or maybe who's making that happen, you know? And I just appreciate that line. It, it actually, every time I say it, I've heard, I just really thought yesterday when I was in the confessional, I thought, I must have heard a thousand confessions by now, at least. It's just, you know, 11 years, but that's a lot of, and I say this line all the time, but I don't always think about it. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit forgives sins? And how? Yeah. How does it do it? I was, uh, I think it'd be good if you want some uh, homework, you know, either you, Father Mike, or podcast land, uh, would be to read the sequence from uh, Pentecost. Ah, Uh, Deacon Tim Heaton, well prepared by your classes, uh, preached uh, this past weekend and preached on the, the sequence for Pentecost. And one of the things what he was saying was, it's important for us to review uh, the 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 presence of the Holy Spirit because so often like we don't consider how you know how the Holy Spirit is operating and the sequence says uh, uh, without you we have not nothing good in deed or thought nothing free from taint of ill uh, what is it warm the what uh, warm the frozen you know warm the chill or something. Mm. So like <clears throat> Mike, I, I think anytime you're questioning like where, how is the Holy spirit active or whatever? It's like, you got to go to the like Holy spirit preface, mm-hmm. uh, the mass of the Holy spirit, as mm-hmm. well as, you know, the sequence for Pentecost. Cause like Holy spirit is pretty elusive. It's yeah. hard to, hard to get somebody yeah. called him I'm wild. The creed. I believe in the Holy spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, uh, yeah, it is very what, elusive. What is it? You oh, the spirit. Uh, one of the guys that I was on retreat with a few years ago called the Holy Spirit Wild Turkey. I thought that was such a great, such a great name. Like, granted, it's a name of a whiskey. <laughs> yeah, it's a whiskey. It's the name of a whiskey, but no, it was like I think the, it's a fun. It's name, the Wild right? Turkey. Like, it's you just dove, can't. Baby. You can't. You can't get a hold of him. Mm. You know, he's just elusive. So, and then the other one, uh, you know for podcast land or whatever would be like you said, Lord, the giver of life. Um, and then Pope JP two, uh, wrote an encyclical on, uh, Dominum vivificantum, I think mm. the Lord, the giver of life. So yeah. anyways, spirit, the paraclete, there's so many titles. I just think I'm, I'm coming to more of an appreciation, of the Holy spirit doing more reflection on the life of the Holy spirit in, the personal life of a Christian, my own life and the life of the church and realizing there's a lot here that I don't always see, but I think there's a lot more going on than I'm recognizing. And there's a lot of potential for growth in my soul with a relationship with the Holy spirit and awareness of the workings of the Holy spirit, developing that relationship, prayer and all that stuff. Yeah. All right. Thanks man. Thanks for musing on the Holy spirit. Musing. Yeah, kind of St. Ephraim, the the muser of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know what I was thinking about as, as you were talking? No. Where did fidget spinners go? Uh, it was a fad. It went. It was a total fad. And well, thanks wait, be we, to God. Have replaced it with anything? I cannot stand 
the fidget spinner. I thought, well, let it go then. Let's forget about it all together. I know, but like Don't there was like there was like a time. Where did Pogs go? There was like a time where everybody was fidget spinning. Where did Pogs go? Beanie Babies? Drove me crazy. The fidget constant spinning. need to like be moving something. Oh, I think it got to the point where you could, you could legitimately have one at work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, a toy. People wanted that. Yeah. And they let them into schools and everything. Yeah. They were at 7-Eleven, like, you know, they were pushing yeah, the fidget spinner. Over, man. And I was like... I think... I'm going to go with a conspiracy. I think one of these huge... I think it was Big Farm that was pushing the fidget spinner. What? Gets everybody in on 4G. Oh, or man. Or whatever, whatever yeah. like 3G. Right. Brainwashing. Anywho. All right. Well, I was... Because I was... I, I have this thing that I... That I kind of yeah, play with. Yeah, you made your own fidget. I made my own fidget it's spinner. It's just a paper clip. Here. It's it's two binder clips. Thank you. Okay. It's two binder clips. It's very creative, but it is very very. It does keep me focused. Anywho, uh, yeah, that was great. I enjoy music on the Holy Spirit, and we I think we learned something. We almost went into schism, and we pulled out. That was great. Oh, uh, shout out to Father Tom Coit and Father Joseph Vu, who, what? Oh, he, uh, the, who I golfed with today. Yeah. I appreciate priests. These are great priests who have served the church a long time. Uh, Father Joseph Vu was a chaplain in the Air Force, a paratrooper, um, or maybe the Army, uh, paratroopers anyway, and went to Iraq. And Joseph Vu? Went to, he's at Colorado Springs. Wow. And went to Afghanistan and um, cared for the souls of all of those. Wow folks who are in real harm's way and trying to do you know the good they can so thank you father and uh father tom coit he was doing um he's been doing ministry for a long time just retired but long time of service in the archdiocese comes from port collins and just loves colorado and the church here real good man and a good golfer so i appreciate it famous for uh he uh, heard a priest say that we have a growing need in the archdiocese uh, for someone to do the hearing impaired ministry, deaf ministry, uh, sign language mass. And uh, he heard that in seminary. He was like, oh, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. And however many years later, I mean, he he did that for a long, long time. Built up a great community at St. Bernadette's. Shout out to Father Joe McClagan. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, a beautiful gift that he gave for the community that couldn't, um, that needed his assistance to be able to experience the fullness of the mass. So, yeah. Anyhow. I've seen one of those masses. Beautiful watching that, you know, priest praying with sign language. Yeah. Cool. Universal church. All right, folks. Uh, oh, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to the Baldorama family. Yes. Baldorama. For the cool name that they have. Exactly. From Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico. Um, they drove up. They were on vacation. Uh, I met them, their family. They asked me to bless some medals. They've got, I think, four kids, a uh, son and a daughter, and then twin boys. Um, and um, they, were a, they were a hoot. They were really fun. Baldorama. Baldorama. And I was like, I was like, that sounds like a fiesta name. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? It's like, <laughs> dude, we've got we were gonna have a huge Baldorama. Um, so they um 
they this guy was uh, in Albuquerque at the same time as Olo. They didn't know each other, but he knows the same streets where Olo used to ride his bikes. Yeah. When he talks about like riding through the canals, he knows exactly what he's talking about. So, anyway, so shout out to them. They were one of the people I met uh, while we were taking a break. So, thanks again, folks. Uh, you want to conclude with a prayer to the Holy Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Peace. Till next time, people. Peace.